Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. From Sydney, Australia to Nugatuck, Connecticut in the U.S. of A. Welcome to Wrestling's Week That Was, presented by MainEventMadness.com. Here are your hosts, Joel the Man O'Brien and Aaron the Mastermind Ramadan. Wow, that was a new new interest for the show. Uh, what did you think of it, Aaron? Is that good? I thought it sounded great. I mean, you know, my name's in it, so I mean, of course, I thought it sounded great. And it's a Triple H intro as well, so that's kind yeah. of playing to your favorite rest of all time. So hey, you should be happy. <laughs> Hello, thrilled. wrestling fans. Oh, that's the main thing, man. <laughs> Hello, wrestling fans, and welcome to the the next edition of uh, Wrestling's Week that was. I am Joel the Man O'Brien, coming to you like I always do from the land under Sydney, Australia, and coming live from Nugatuck, Connecticut, in the uh, in the US of A. It's uh, Aaron Ramadoff, uh, editor of ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. Aaron, uh, what's going on, and how was your week? Pretty good week, you know. I, I wish I could say you know, some good wrestling this week as far as WWE is concerned, but of course we'll get into that. And I'm, you know, I'm having a pretty good week. It's a little rainy here in Connecticut right now. So it's a little depressing. Yeah. We're currently going through a string of uh, days where it's really, really hot during the day, like 30 degrees Celsius. So I think that's like 90 degrees Fahrenheit, I think. And then it's like completely like torrential tropical rain, like (laughs) all night. And now it's beautifully sunny. So, yeah, it's a completely weird. Maybe climate change does exist in this world. But anyway, we're going to be with you for the next hour, hour and a half, talking all the major news, shows, and matches coming out of the week that was exclusively on ProWrestlingPowerhouse.com. We have a ton of important stuff to get through this week. And actually, much of it centers on things that happened outside the ring instead of in it. Uh, If you don't know what I'm talking about, Vince McMahon followed up Followed CM Punk's lead last week, or this week, with an incredibly revealing look at the chairman of WWE. And uh, it, it was a very interesting kind of look into where his head's at. So we'll be definitely breaking down everything that kind of went between between him and Stone Cold Steve Austin on the WWE Network. Uh, but, of course, we'll talk about Raw, main events. Well, actually, not main event because we got rid of that. But uh, NXT, SmackDown, Impact Wrestling, and we got rid of that too. So ignore what I'm talking about. <laughs> and so much more. But before we delve into all this week, these week's hot topics, remember, we are currently live on iTunes and Stitcher as we speak. So if you're looking for a practical way to help the show and stay in touch with what uh what we offer uh download the podcast up onto your smartphone subscribe to pwp radio network um via both media platforms now before i actually continue on um you might have noticed in the uh introduction i said it proudly presented by maineventmadness.com 
Now, um, what am I actually talking about? Well, we're actually going to be moving uh, networks uh, coming uh, up very, very soon, actually by the end of the year. And that's uh, exactly uh, the reason why is because uh, our owner, uh, Jay, Jay Leto, is actually finishing up PWP Radio after, after many years uh, being on the air, uh, which is a bit sad because there's so many other good shows and uh, that, that great moments, great interviews that are going to be up there for, for, for many years to come. But we're actually finishing up uh, by the end of the year. So that means we're going to be moving house and we're going to be moving to maineventmadness.com uh, and going kind of under their umbrella with Wrestling's Week that was and with Wrestling's Rope Break. So um, all the details of how to find us are going to be upcoming, but we thought we, we might as well break it. Uh, break the news now and get you guys ready for a brand new edition of Re- Wrestling's Week that was and Wrestling's Rope Break for the new year. Uh, you know, obviously a new intro, as you heard, we're going to be just changing things up, maybe changing the, the layout a bit. At the same time, we would love your feedback. Uh, so, Aaron, how can people reach, reach you if they want to talk to you about the show or about what they think about the show? Well, the best way to reach me is usually Twitter, where I'm at Aaron underscore PWP. Uh, Aaron is spelled E-R-O-N. Um, and, of course, you can always, you know, go to the uh, PWP Facebook page um, and all that stuff. So I'm usually – I'm pretty usually easy to get a hold of if you just contact me through my Twitter page. Yeah, great. And you can reach me at capital B. And that would be the easiest way to find me. And just talk, yeah, talk to me about wrestling and talk to me about the site. If there's a, about the show, if there's anything you you want or if anything you hate, tell us because because the feedback's the only way we're going to be able to grow. So January third is our next show. Uh, so is, is the next uh, uh, show? Well, the first show underneath uh, the main event madness banner. So uh, as as we said information upcoming follow us on twitter both of us on twitter uh to uh get information about that now we have some big news in regards to wrestling's right break which is our interview centric show both me and aaron are going to be sitting down with jeff jarrett yep the guy who's uh running a global force wrestling who's pretty much uh single-handedly kind of creating a huge buzz around the industry about global force wrestling and i think kind of the uh the debut of global force wrestling is going to be happening uh at the tokyo dome i think january 4th so that's actually going to be a big week because we're going to try and catch the preview uh that he's going to be hosting um but uh, yeah, it's it's going to be a big show. We've got a lot to talk about when it comes to Jeff. We've got to talk, you know, talk about his association with Jim Ross, uh, his huge uh, career in uh, in uh, WWE and WCW, and uh, yeah, and uh, TNA, of course. So lots to consider and lots to look forward to. Uh, we will be doing that show maybe in about two three weeks time. Best way to follow us, follow us on Twitter at uh, Aaron underscore PWP and at Wrestling R Break. So, yeah, that's the best way to find us. Now, Aaron, top news of the week. We're going to kind of shift things around this week. We usually we do a, a podcast of the week uh, midway through the show, but, you know, obviously huge buzz surrounding uh, Steve Austin's sit-down interview with uh, Vince McMahon on the WWE Network. So many things talked about, uh, but uh, obviously, Aaron, let's just get your thoughts. What did you think about this interview? Well, the, the I think everyone's kind of in consensus as far as the interview itself, as far as it being very candid, very open. Uh, we really never seen the man talk like this on his own network, you know, 
And I was a little, um, I was happy to see him kind of branch out. And, you know, something that came along the lines as far as CM Punk saying, are kind of intertwined with this is, you know, was it a publicity sign? Everyone's calling it, you know, damage control. And was he trying to just kind of combat the CM Punk stuff? But he talked open and honestly about a bunch of different stuff, um, you know, some of the stuff, of course, he maybe he was bullshitting and, and trying to kind of wrap in and kind of put his own twist on it. Um, you know, when, when we got into the, you know, WWE Network stuff saying it's going great, you know, just some of those little things um, kind of insulting our intelligence a little bit on that kind of stuff. But overall, I was pleasantly surprised as as soon as Steve Austin started talking, I knew we were gonna, we were going to go into a bunch of different stuff. Um, and Steve Austin really earned my respect as far as an interviewer. Of course, I respect him as a wrestler and one of the greatest superstars of all time in WWE history. Um, but he really earned my respect as far as an interviewer. I never really liked his style on his own podcast of being really loud and, and kind of sometimes he doesn't want the guest talk. But um, I really did like his interview with Vince McMahon. I really earned a lot of respect for him um, in this podcast. Yeah, I think I think uh, uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin was probably like one of the few guys that could really get a lot of information out of uh, out of Vince McMahon, and um, I think he kind of he did a good job kind of bringing up a, a few good points and was quite as candid as you probably could be on Vince McMahon's own show. Um, obviously, Vince McMahon's answers are Vince McMahon's answers, and there's not really much you can do about that. And there was a ton of ton of. Uh, a bullshit kind of spreading around there. Um, but one question that I think was, was, was well asked by Steve Austin was just to talk, actually like obviously the CM Punk issue is going to be something we'll just very quickly talk about in the coming minutes. But before we get into that, he did bring up a good point about that's been on my mind and it's got to do with uh, the WWE uh, locker room kind of walking on eggshells. So I've actually got some excerpts of this uh, interview. Hopefully, WWE doesn't shut us down. I think we'll be all right for this week. But here's some excerpts from the uh, from the show, and this is where Steve Austin kind of brings up the WWE locker room. So let's have a listen about this. It seems to me, guys and gals backstage are walking on eggshells. They're trepidatious. They're a little afraid to really go out on a limb because there is no other option. And no, if, if they it. piss somebody, if they tick somebody off right. here, right. well, then you know there goes their career. Well, don't piss anybody off. I pissed a lot of people off. I have. <laughs> no, you have. That, 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 that's I my. I right. wanted to challenge the locker room. Well, I, you know, watch, go ahead. I, you, know, you have. This is a different group of guys and gals. It's millennials. You know, they're they're not as ambitious, quite frankly, um, and they're not trepidatious at all. I just don't think they necessarily want to reach for that brass ring. The last person who really reached for that brass ring, in all likelihood, was John Cena. Now there are others coming up now who definitely want to reach for it. Ambrose is one of them. Seth Rollins is another one. Roman Reigns is another one. Bray's another one. So I think you've got some people here who are chomping at the bit. To... Now, like, there's so much to talk about there. I mean, like, Aaron, I gotta, I'll, I'll break the first question to you. Like, how are guys? Okay, how are guys meant to break the mold and grab this imaginary brass ring? If, if the boss doesn't, if the boss expects not to be pissed off, like. How, how does that even work? <laughs> like, please g- give me an answer. Like, what do you think? I think the, the the perfect example of this is I think Vince McMahon. His definition of grabbing the brass ring and our definition are completely two different things. I think Vince McMahon, by, by grabbing the quote unquote brass ring, he sees it as, uh, you know, 
being ambitious in a certain set of guidelines. Now, uh, you know, he failed to mention CM Punk being one of those people that kind of grabbed the brass exactly. ring in the last couple of years. Um, you know, and, and, you know, I've been critical on CM Punk, but to say that he hasn't grabbed the brass ring is a, is very, very disrespectful by Vince McMahon, in my opinion. Um, I, I think, you know, it, it, it's hard to say who's grabbing the brass ring because we don't know who's really, truly backstage gra- trying to, to push their way to the top. I mean, like you said, there are some guys like Roman Reigns that definitely wants the brass ring. Bray Wyatt, you know, Seth Rollins, there's a bunch of guys he mentioned. But I do actually think there are some guys backstage that are just comfortable with where they are. Guys in the mid-card, maybe in the, the uh, lower mid-card, that just are comfortable being there, comfortable being a WWE superstar, under contract. But I definitely think that there are some guys that want to go to the top and be the next John Cena, be the next Hulk Hogan, be the next Steve Austin. So to say that there are a limited amount of guys that are grabbing the brass ring or trying to, is a far understatement. I'd say probably 70, 30 uh, of the people are trying to grab that brass ring. Well, my, like, it's almost like just, he's either really kind of encouraging the locker room to kind of prove him wrong. I think you mentioned that during the week when we were talking about this, but I kind of took it as like, he has no faith in his own locker room, and he's almost like publicly kind of like just, just, just ridiculing his own his own his own stuff and not being like 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 what Austin used to be. And it's kind of like, well, uh, Austin like uh, Austin pissed uh, as Austin said, he pissed off uh, Vince plenty of times. And like you know, it takes that kind of individuality to kind of make something in the WWE. And like I like the. Rock's a good example of that. Austin's a great example of that. And it's kind of like one of those things that's like, <laughs> how I met... So, so he, he's, he's pretty much telling the, the, the locker room to, to not piss him off. Mm-hmm. Like, like that, if that's not a sign of a di- dictatorship in WWE and why everyone's walking on the eggshells in this company, I don't know what is. It's like, how, how are people meant to kind of like... People that are already nervous... They're already kind of like just doing their own thing and kind of going through the motions, like Sam Punk says that half the locker room are just doing. Like, are they meant to kind of like step out that without any kind of encouragement from Vince McMahon? Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with you. I think you know, and even when somebody does get a little push or and they and they start to grasp for that brass ring, uh, something happens to them. I mean, of course, the biggest the, the biggest point he made was Cesaro, and when when Steve Austin asked him about Cesaro, yeah, of course, you know it. It's it's a thing where, you know, if you do grab for that brass ring and you attempt to, to put your all into everything and then it just gets ripped from you by WWE management or, or Vince McMahon, it's hard to continue to be ambitious. I mean, guys like Dolph Ziggler, who, you know, exactly. time after time has gotten screwed out of opportunities and, and all that stuff, you know, he continues to be ambitious. He's starting to get a little bit of a push again. And you know, I commend guys for for sticking with it, like Dolph Ziggler has. Yeah, well, we're going to get into SmackDown later on, but like, I watched his match against Luke Harper, and this guy is like, he's bouncing, like he's bumping like crazy. He's coming out with a ton of energy. This, this is Dolph Ziggler I'm talking about, and Luke Harper as well. You can't discredit the talent that WWE has. And I've been a big advocate for the talent pool this year. There's a great amount of great professional wrestlers. It, but at the same time, it comes a time where the company 
And Vince McMahon needs to stay on course and keep motivating these guys and keep staying behind them because so many years in, in the past has shown us that this company just goes stop, start, stop, start, stop, start. Oh, we're going to invest in time and we're going to pull away because you haven't really given us uh, what we need within like two months of television time. So we're just going to just drop you like a bad habit. And it's like to have Vince McMahon come out there on public television, you know, and tell everyone, oh, Cesaro just doesn't have the it factor. Oh, we're not going to give up a hope on him. It's like, <laughs> this is Cesaro who's doing all these media appearances and trying to be as charismatic as he can. It's like, oh, well, my boss doesn't believe I got the it factor. I don't like, it's just so bad, ass backwards. But um, we'll, we'll get straight into the other excerpt because it kind of ties in with what we're talking about with the talent pool. Because uh, Vince McMahon decided, uh, Austin brought up the whole uh, point about the streak. And uh, we have an excerpt here where Vince McMahon kind of discusses uh, the choice to have Brock Lesnar be the one to beat The Undertaker and the kind of uh, ideas behind that. So let's have a listen to it. So again, Aaron, I'll pose this question: Like, is it the talent's fault, or is it Vince's fault that there was no one, no one, quote unquote, that was ready to defeat the Undertaker at WrestleMania 30? I think it's a bit of both. I think, it, it, I think the biggest component of it is the, the timing. I think the, the timing of WWE at the, at the moment of this year, you have a kind of maybe the year before or the year before that in 2012, you had a shifting of of talent in WWE as far as the Attitude Era guys starting to kind of wean out and slowly go away. And, you know, I completely agree with Vince in some respects. There was really nobody to to legitimately put out there to beat The Undertaker clean. So um, I think Brock Lesnar was... My, my question, my, my question is that why? Why couldn't it have there been someone that was ready. Why couldn't they have had after, decided, well, you know what, after WrestleMania 29, you know what, we should start building someone up with the main goal in mind that he's going to get, re- he's going to be ready by WrestleMania 30. If not, that, that we should have a, someone else in the back, ready to go, that could possibly at least wrestle The Undertaker. And if he's ready, if he's hot enough, then maybe we can actually just pull the trigger and Undertaker loses at WrestleMania. Instead of just going, well, the only one that's really kind of uh, worthy of doing it is, dare I say it, someone that's not even not, not even really wreaking the benefits right now because he's, he's not even in the WWE. He's a, he's a special attraction. And I think Brock Lesnar's kind of stopper, uh, uh, you know, is... Is didn't even need the streak to 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 lose now in retrospect, but 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 please continue. 
Well, I think Brock Lesnar has kind of ha- kind of has reaped the benefits as far as the, being the Undertaker at WrestleMania because he's become this larger than life attraction. Which you know, people say Brock Lesnar not an attraction. He's not. He's not a draw on, at pay per views. Brock Lesnar is a big time draw. If, anyone that says Brock Lesnar yes. not a draw, that I don't. I don't know yeah. what people are talking about. Um, so I think I've said this before. Brock Lesnar beating the Undertaker has taken on. Taker's legitimacy, and it's hard to like follow when I when I say this, but he's taking on Taker's legitimacy. So whoever beats Brock, whether it's Roman Reigns, Daniel Bryan, Dean Ambrose, whoever they decide to, to have Brock lose, because he's going to drop the title eventually, uh, presumably at, at WrestleMania. So whoever they have beat Brock, they ultimately win the most. So it's almost the same thing as beating the Undertaker at WrestleMania because you're beating the guy that beat the guy at WrestleMania. So I kind of understand Vince's logic of saying there's really nobody that can legitimately take the streak away from Taker besides Brock Lesnar at that time. I don't know who else could have done that. Um, you know, and, and I think I don't think they have this big plan of, of okay, well, we'll have Taker face this guy at 29, he'll lose at 30, and then so on. I think each year they take it for what it is. Um, you know, a lot of people said that Taker wanted to finish up at 28, um, and then he kind of got goaded into 29 and 30. So they take it year by year, and I think, and, and ultimately I think it was the best best decision to have Brock Lesnar beat Taker at WrestleMania. I wasn't, that, I wasn't saying that during that time, but in the long run, uh, in hindsight, I, I believe that that was the right decision to have Brock Lesnar ultimately beat uh, The Undertaker. I see where you're coming from with regards to, like, at that time, there was no one ready. I agree with that. In retrospect, I do agree with that. And, yes, in articles that I've written, I have been an advocate for for Brock Lesnar being the one who's beaten beaten the one on 21-1. Like, I'm a, yes, I... I like that. My th- my thing is is that you know it, it's, it's kind of insulting again to this locker room that is apparently just so uh, unambitious that Vince McMahon just has to take from city to city because you know they're just not as good as they used to be. But it's like there should be some foresight in this company to get these people ready. It ties into what I just talked about before, like you know with with staying behind people, and I, I think fans are like almost jaded to this point where like the the like guys like the Usos and 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 Miz and Miz and uh, and all these other guys, all these mid card guys, this massive pool of mid card guys that aren't nowhere as nowhere better than each other, nowhere nowhere as, as good as each other. They're just kind of just there, and I think that's just a testament to the locker room. And I think when it comes to to the Undertaker losing his the undefeated streak at WrestleMania, why couldn't they have done the old age? Thing that everyone was thinking that was going to happen if Taker lost, and that would be a young guy gets that gets that monumental moment at WrestleMania, beating the Undertaker, beating the old line, and a new line taking his place. I just un- understand why they couldn't have got someone ready, and and, and, that, and that being the the underlining guy, uh, underlining thing, you know, like obviously we can go around in circles about that, but you know, this is my point of it. But we'll finish up the whole. Um, Vince McMahon thing with obviously what everyone was kind of tuning into this podcast if you had the WWE Network and what they were all about was all about the uh, CM Punk reaction and it was very brief but uh, we've got the whole thing right here so let's have a listen I would like to do this I would like uh, to apologize um, 
Sometimes, in a big corporation, uh, the legal people don't necessarily know what talent relations are doing, and conversely, uh, and Punk got some his severance papers, uh, moreover, uh, on the day he got married, and, and that was coincidence. So I want to personally apologize for that. Other than that, the only thing I want to say about Punk is that there have been a number of individuals in the past who have been disgruntled, said a lot of things about the organization, um, and I, I'm not going to you know, wash the dirty laundry in, in public. I, I don't think there, there's any reason for that. Uh, I think that there are a lot of things that he may say that, that he may regret one day in terms of looking back at it. Um, but nonetheless, I, you know, I, I hope that one day, you know, we'll be able to get back together again. You and I got back together again. We had our differences. Right. Uh, Hogan, oh my God, you know, uh, we got back together again, you know, after differences, ultimate warrior, and there's a list, a long list of them. And in, in essence, what I try to do is to give the audience what they want. I try to give them what's best for business. And I know that's like we use that phrase on television now and so forth, but that's always been my philosophy. I take my ego, which is sizable, okay, and I'll put it over here and say, okay, now your ego's over here, Vince, and yada, 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 here's the way you really feel, so, but what is the best thing for business? So I'm hoping that one day we can get back together. Aaron, will Sam Punk ever return to WWE? Uh, define return. You mean mm. wrestle or 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 be involved in the company again? Both, I guess. Like uh, as a talent. Let's just say as a talent. I, I don't think, and this will change, of course. But you know, as time goes over. But right now, right now, CM Punk wants nothing to do with WWE. In, in five years, will he want something to do with them? Will he want to return? I don't know. Maybe he might get the itch to come back, as Chris Jericho has said multiple times. You know, you you get the itch to return. You get the itch to wrestle again. But I don't know if CM Punk wants to wrestle for them ever again. And and that's just the truth of it, as far as he's concerned. He just I don't think he feels comfortable with them anymore after the, And I think the biggest thing is the the severance papers being delivered on his wedding day. I see, and for Vince, mm-hmm. you know, I understand. You know, Vince has to make some excuse up for it. But I think Vince McMahon, Triple H, WWE were very upset with 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 uh, CM Punk at the time. Uh, were very upset that he wasn't coming back, um, and they just said, "Let's stick it to him. Let's stick it to him. Let's send it, send these to him on his wedding day. Let's ruin his wedding day." I'm sure they regret it now. I'm sure they feel like it was the wrong thing to do. But I don't blame them for that. They were angry. They were angry. They were um, not thinking straight, obviously, and they were upset, and they wanted to stick it to him, and I understand that. So, it, will CM Punk ever wrestle in WWE again? No. I, I'm going to go out on a limb and say no, because I think that that resonation, as far as sending the termination papers on his wedding day, I think that really sticks to him as a really just a bush league thing to do. Then again, uh, it's a really bush league to, to walk on your contract, but... That's neither here nor there. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Uh, do I want him back in WWE? Maybe. Maybe, you know, he's a big – he's a draw, man. He's a draw. I won't deny that he's not a draw. I'm not the biggest CM Punk fan. I didn't like what he did. I didn't like how he left. I didn't like his podcast where he kind of bashed WWE in general. But I will say that he is a draw. He is somebody that can make them money. He is one of the best wrestlers to step into the ring the last 10 years. 
So, yes, uh, I think CM Punk is great. Will we see him in the WWE ring again? Uh, probably not. I think the wedding, the getting Severance Papers on his wedding day is probably the, the last, that, that that's going to like completely sever this relationship. I think that's going to be sticking in his back and, and, uh, for, for many many years to come, and I don't, and and the the story that he told on his podcast last week, that sort of story about how he was pretty much just a a, a war a, a war veteran just getting absolutely like mangled every single week, getting sicker and sicker, and no one caring about his own well being. I think that as well, like for someone to 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 go through that and then somewhere down the line kind of go, oh, you know what, it wasn't actually that bad then it kind of discredits everything he kind of said. And I think, well, maybe, maybe Vince Mann's right. Maybe he's going to regret some of the things he's, he's, he's going to say. Maybe he's going to regret how many times he said fuck in that interview. I think it was almost like someone counted it. Someone counted it on the internet and found it was like almost 300, over 300. Some people need to need to get some, <laughs> get a, need to get a life. But anyway, the, the problem we've got here is that Vince Mann's ego is so big that he, I honestly, He's in he's in his own little bubble when it comes to a lot of things. Like you know, he talks about the product and talks about being in touch with the audience. And we're going to talk about Raw very briefly this week. Try and get as briefly as I can. But if Monday Night Raw is a testament for how much he's in touch with his audience, then when it comes to CM Punk and what he thinks is going to happen with CM Punk, I mean, it it, it could be completely different. It could be completely separated because. Uh, <laughs> You know, like I just I honestly don't see him coming back. I'm gonna be one of these people that says I don't think so. I think there's a lot there's too much bad blood and there's too much uh water under the bridge for it to uh for it to eventuate to uh, anything where he makes money. I mean he's made so much money now and I don't see him kind of burning it through. And like and that's one thing I got from the podcast too. You know, like you know, it's very much a money thing, being paid what you're uh, what you're worth and all that stuff and and like he, as you said, he doesn't need to do it anymore. And he, yes, he may get the itch to do it. I think. Let's just say this: I don't think he'll ever return to WWE, but I think he'll do something in wrestling. I think he'll get the itch, like Jericho said. But I think he'll do something outside wrestling. Maybe he'll do something that helps uh, independent promotions or something like, like he did when he was champion. Like I remember he walked up to a few independent shows when he was the WWE champion, when he was quote unquote off TV for that very very brief amount of time. Uh, in 2011, where he left with the championship, which is, I think, I don't know what you think about it, Aaron, but I think that rivalry with Punk and Cena leading up to Money in the Bank 2011 was probably one of the quintessential rivalries of the last, like, 10 years. Absolutely. I, I think that that feud really kind of blurred the lines as far as, um, oh yeah, you know, as far as real and, and not real, and, and especially in this age, in 2011, at that, that time, uh, I think, mm-hmm. and like I said, I will give Punk the credit that he is due. His time between 2011 and, and 2014 is one of the best runs somebody's had um, next to John Cena as far as his reign as, as the top guy. To, to be able to kind of almost be 1A to John Cena is is remarkable to, to be able to do that. So I give Punk all the credit in the world for the time he was there. Yeah, definitely. Well, speaking of Sam Punk, you uh, you listen to Sam Punk's almost like rebuttal, I guess you can kind of call it in a loose way. His uh, his podcast with the uh, Colt Cabana this week, 
Uh, I actually haven't listened to it. Uh, it's been a busy week down in the Joel O'Brien household. So give us a rundown of uh, all the main, main major points, if there were any. Well, you know, this this podcast or this rebuttal was uh, was talked about to be a kind of rebuttal um, from emails. Of course, if you didn't listen, uh, Cole Kamana said that he got over 10,000 emails in the first day of the podcast. So he wow. wasn't expecting that. And the email crashed, so they lost all those emails. Um, so they couldn't really do what they wanted to do. So they kind of just shot the breeze. They kind of just, you know, fooled around. They talked uh, movies and comics and stuff like that briefly. Um, but the only time they really talked wrestling, as far as responding, is they were is CM Punk responded to Vince McMahon's uh, apology on the WWE Network, um, and he was not very happy about it. He he called it a publicity stunt. Um, and, and something that Vince McMahon's doing just for damage control right now. Um, and I tend to agree with him. I, I, I can't say I, I don't agree with him. I think, you know, Vince, uh, you know, could have called him, could have texted him, mm-hmm. could have emailed yeah. him, could have ca- contacted him, could have met with him when they were in Chicago. So it's, I, I do agree with him on some respects in that, in that area. Um, he also kind of, talked about uh, the, you know, the relationship with, with WWE and if, and if he would ever go back. And, and, you know, he kind of he kind of stayed away from saying he's never going back. He didn't say those words. And, and Colt Cabana kind of uh, goaded him into not saying them because, you know, he didn't want to have to bring Punk on three years and say, well, you said you'd never go back, and you did. So Punk kind of mm-hmm. stayed away from saying that, um, which was interesting. And, you know, that kind of gave some of the Punk, uh, you know, marks some hope as far as that's concerned um but all in all the podcast was a little disappointing i was really excited to hear him talk about emails and stuff like that um but you know all in all uh, you know i think the, the big theme of this podcast was to close the book for cm punk on wrestling in general and to kind of move on and, and kind of do his own thing now with the comics and and whatever else he's looking to do so um, you know, and, and I think we should make a pact here today that, you know, mm-hmm. Punk doesn't want to be associated with wrestling anymore. So let this be the, the final remarks on this situation with CM Punk between you and me on the show, because let's just give him his thing. He wants to be left alone. He doesn't want to be associated with wrestling anymore. So let's give him that and let's, let's just leave it at that um, as far as closing the book on his career in WWE. You heard it first from my co-host here on Wrestling's Week. That was. This is going to be the last time we're going to talk about CM Punk, uh, unless something ridiculously crazy or monumental or ridiculously newsworthy pops up. I totally agree. Because guess what? Mm-hmm. If you're a part of any other Facebook group on 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 uh, obviously on Facebook, you're going to see plenty of people talking about this for many, 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 many months to come. So let's just focus on some other great points, like the rest of the news this week powered by coolwrestlingnews.com. Uh, let's, let's start it off with New Japan. New Japan Pro Wrestling. We're going to be talking about this a little bit during the show because uh, I've got a match of the I've got a match from the from our weekly visit to the vault. There's going to be New Japan Pro Wrestling uh, centric. That's going to be awesome. It's going to blow your mind. But uh, speaking right now about New Japan, they've just started a, new, a thing called New Japan World on uh, on their internet on their website. So Aaron, give us the details. What's going on? Okay, so New Japan Pro Wrestling, you can uh, they they threw out or they they put out a similar version of the WWE Network as far as being able to go watch their archived uh, you know matches and events um, 
I went on there. I, I, I was going to sign up, but then I realized that everything is in Japanese. So that's going to no. be tough for me because, I don't, unfortunately, I do have many qualities and traits and, and amazing things about me. <laughs> I don't oh, yeah. speak Japanese. I can't read Japanese. So, unfortunately, that's going to be a little put off for me. But I've heard that if you have Google Chrome, you can translate yeah. everything so it, it looks a little more American. Everything's not American, but most things will be. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's, it's similar to the WWE Network. I think it's the same price uh, as far as uh, their currency goes. I think in American, it's about 840 or something like that. So it's a little cheaper than WWE Network for us. Wow. Um, but, yeah, it, I think it's a great quality. I really do. As far I'm not going to sit here and say I'm some big New Japan Pro Wrestling fan and I watch all their stuff. I don't. I rarely watch a New Japan Pro Wrestling match just because it's not really accessible to me. You know, you have to go on YouTube, and it's hard to find full-length matches and get into the story and all that stuff, and, and, you know, there's no American commentary. So stuff like that puts me off from that product. Now, of course, we talked about before, Jim Ross is going to be doing uh, Global Force Wrestling's American version of uh, Wrestle Kingdom 9, which I'm super pumped about, but that's oh, yeah. a different conversation for a different day. We've talked about that before. But, you know, I'm excited for this. I think New Japan Pro Wrestling slowly kind of uh, moving into American and, 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 you know, American and America and all that stuff. So I'm excited. I'm pumped. I, I love the idea. Um, and if they can kind of sure up something where it, everything can be an American and, and we can kind of, and I can kind of navigate through that, I, I think that I'll definitely subscribe to uh, New Japan World. Absolutely. Um, I've probably watched a bit more New Japan Pro Wrestling than yourself. I used to watch it quite a lot about two or three years ago, um, especially when uh, I, I, I listened to Wrestling Observer Live. And then for those people who don't know, Dave Meltzer, who runs the show, is a huge, a huge uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling fan. And he's very uh, astute to all the really great matches of the past. And I've heard him talk about pro, uh, Japanese Pro Wrestling for many years. And uh, I tell you what, like the style, the Japanese style, for anyone who is like me, I like my, my wrestling to be semi-legitimate. I like my wrestling to take itself seriously. I like my wrestling to be stiff. I like, I like it to be borderline realistic as much as it can be within the spirit of a sports competition. But obviously we know oh, it's quote-unquote fake. I hate that word. But anyway, the, the, the access to the New Japan Pro Wrestling Library dates back, I think, almost to the 1970s. And we're talking about matches with Kenta Kabashi versus Dr. Death Steve Williams. If you ever heard about Jim Ross talk about Dr. Death Steve Williams, you can go into New Japan Pro uh, uh, World, check out uh, his old matches in, 19, in the 1990s, and, and you can look at Stan the Man Hansen. Uh, uh, Stan, sorry, Stan the man. Stan the Lariat Hansen, and look at his great classic bouts with all the great uh, uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling legends of all the of the past. You can look at Ric Flair's matches uh, with all these all these legends uh, to to this day's you know Hiroshi Tanahashi, Okada, Naito, all these great matches that you may have heard about. Someone talk, some big huge pro wrestling fan talk about this. Now you can go and access it like the WWE Network. I think it's incredible, and it's such a a, a great alternative. Because I'll tell you right now, Aaron, I'm going to admit something right now. This week has kind of drained me as a pro wrestling fan, listening to all this talk about the realities behind uh, the closed doors in WWE or how, their booking mentality, hearing Vince McMahon spread out of the whole fact that the locker room's millennials and how they're not ambitious. And 
it's you need an alternative to kind of fall back on a plan B when WWE doesn't really kind of like go anywhere. And, and New Japan Pro Wrestling, now that we have access to it, and now that we we may have start having more frequent uh, North American commentators, Touchwood, uh, that's a definite viable uh, uh, alternative to WWE. Are you going to be checking out the New Japan World as an alternative to WWE? Or are you going to be WWE all through and through, Aaron? Well, the only two companies I really invest in is WWE and TNA, along with some of the local stuff in Connecticut. So, you know, and like I said before, you know, if, if they can find a way to tailor more of their stuff Amer- to Americans and, and America in general, and it looks like they will be doing that, you know, with with this Jim Ross thing. And I heard they're going to be doing some kind of docu-series about, you know, the history of New Japan Pro Wrestling on some TV uh, network in America. Mm-hmm. So, yes, I'm, you know, yep. slowly they're, they're building toward that and they're trying to become more global um, and more popular in the States. So I'm excited for that. If they can do that, they can count on me as, as a fan because the, the match, like we'll, we'll talk about later on, that you suggested to me to watch, incredible. And, and I, I was just fascinated on the different style between what I'm used to seeing in WWE and New Japan Pro Wrestling. So um, I'm definitely a fan of their, their product. If they can just you know make it a little more accessible for me, and, of course, they're doing that now, so I'm definitely all in on New Japan Pro Wrestling. In other news, uh, Kurt Angle apparently has officially re-signed with TNA Wrestling. Yep, uh, apparently Kurt Angle has kind of closed the book on a WWE return. Apparently they were offering him a full-time contract to return um, to, to be a part of the roster, to do all the live events, to, to work 340 days a week or a, a year. So, so, you know, that was probably the biggest thing for him. Uh, to not be, to, he can't. He can't do the 300 days a year. He just, he can't do it. His body is worn down. He's, you know, getting toward the end of his career. So he re-signed with TNA pretty much on that basis alone. That he just couldn't handle the workload the WWE was going to bring. So I don't blame him. I mean, I, he's and I. This is good for Kurt Angle because Kurt Angle's been known to kind of not take care of his body and just kind of throw caution to the wind as far as that's concerned. So I'm excited that he's finally taking for his body. Although yeah. I would have loved to see him in WWE. I mean, I think he's the perfect cue for Rusev, but that's, you know, I'll take off my fantasy booking hat for a second. And, I, you know, I'm happy for Kurt Angle. Hopefully he can finish up his career. Apparently this is going to be his quote-unquote last run uh, in pro yeah. wrestling. So uh, we'll see how this goes. I, I I just find it mind-boggling <laughs> that WWE is all about taking care of their their performers and whatnot, and and then you hear that Kurt Angle apparently got offered a full-time, like three hundred day a uh, three hundred day a year contract. <laughs> it's like this guy is broken down. If he's ever gonna join up, he's gonna be like a sting. He's gonna be coming here and there. He would be perfect to verse Rusev at WrestleMania. <laughs> and like I think Kurt really really wanted to join up with WWE. And it's mm-hmm. just crazy that like like CM Punk. Like uh, we go back to the CM Punk. I, I, I'm breaking my own rule, but very 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 quickly going back to the CM Punk thing. He, <laughs> he dictates this story. I have to. I have to. When you're talking about like a broken down wrestler joining up and, and and like you know getting flogged until he can't ride anymore. CM Punk has dictated this whole story, like this three year story about how he was broken down and and the company kept 
wanting to come back and wanting him to come back. And then he, by the end of it, he was almost dead by the end of it. And like Kurt Angle, he's broken before he even start, restarts with WWE and they're offering them this massive contract. Like it's just, uh, it's, just it's, it's mind boggling where you could have really take, utilized Kurt in certain situations and had him as a, in a limited role on television. You know, like and, and have them come up for special attraction matches like you know, like your Rusevs and all that stuff. And just be backstage teaching these people, these, these up and comers from NXT how to wrestle better, how, the tech the, the, the technical uh, aspects that are, uh, that are missing from the game. It's just uh, it's just so mind boggling. But anyway, we'll move on. Sting's contract details. Now, where'd you get all this information from Is this true? Uh, what you're about to tell me? Yeah. Uh, you know, apparently Sting's contract details have kind of been kind of thrown out there by, you know, all the popular uh, dirt sheets like PW Insider and WrestleZone and all that stuff. Apparently Sting, uh, Sting's details for his contract is that he gets a total of six appearances on the WWE uh, TV, whether it's Raw, pay-per-view, match, any type of appearance, um, it's only six. Uh, he used up one of them in the Survivor Series. Can I can I just ask? I was very very quickly. Also, oh, th- this does include pay per views. This does include includes every any appearance on WWE television um, from the time they start they signed this new contract, which is apparently before Survivor Series. Uh, so now he's only down to five. He's only down to five appearances left on this contract. What? Now, of things can change. WWE can go. Uh, let's add three more. But as of right now. There's only five left, so that must mean that we might get more than uh, one match from him. We might get one match at Royal Rumble with two appearances, you know, uh, before and after, or at WrestleMania, or we might get more from Sting. Like I said, the contract is negotiable. They can, of course, open it back up and add ten more if they wanted to, whatever. But as of right now, he's only got five more appearances left um, on this current deal. Mm. Well, you know, like five appearances from now, there'd be no offense, Aaron, but they'd be just stupid to think that they should use him before WrestleMania. As I said to you, like, I think we, we talked about this last week or whenever we talked about Sting. Um, it, he's, you got to keep him special. And I think keeping him for a WrestleMania match is the only way to keep him special. The minute people see him in the ring, he's going to lose his allure straight away because the sting that I saw in TNA many, many, like about a year, about a year ago or a year and a half ago, it's like, he can go, but it's nothing special. It's not, he's not going to blow everyone away with this incredible, he, uh, this incredible like technical prowess that he's, he's never really had to be honest. Like he's, he's a great attraction, but I think you got to keep him special. I, I'm fine with the character being mysterious, and he comes in and comes out, and doesn't isn't on every show. Like as Vince McMahon pointed out in his podcast about Sting, you know, you gotta keep him special and like Brockles. I get that mentality. But five five appearances. Wow, that's there's gonna be a lot. They're gonna have to do a lot of hype videos, and oh hey, but that's what they're good at. That WWE production is probably the best the best thing that they have going in the company when it comes to promoting stuff. And when we get to get to NXT, we're going to be definitely talking about this, but uh, yeah. Um, but let's just go straight into the raw rundown uh, very quickly. Yeah. There's some other news, but you know, we've, we've, there's a bit of a, there's a bit to talk about on raw, but you know, albeit very, very brief. Um, this show, 
Like on a night where Vincent Mann declares to Steve Austin that he is in touch with what the audience wants, we get a show that I personally think that screamed spinning its wheels, like until Royal Rumble. What was what was your opinion on this fantastic edition of Monday Night Raw? Oh my God, it was. It, <laughs> and I, I like to stay positive. I think you and me both like to stay kind of positive as far as everything and and kind of see the bright side and in, in some stuff, but. There's no bright side to this episode of Raw. I mean, there it was. It was very, it was very misshaped, out of place. Segments were were mis, misplaced. The first opening segment went 25 minutes, and it was, it was grueling. And, and listening to Seth Rollins kind of stumble for the first time, in my opinion, as far as talking goes, and and John Cena rambling, and it was just. Uh, and the ending of that opening segment was was awful. I mean, it was just, it felt like it should have ended the show as far as somebody going through a table. Usually you see that at the end of a show. Um, I just felt like it was misplaced, mismanaged, slow, boring. There was nothing to keep me watching. It was a lot of the same old um, kind of booking as far as the middle of, of, of Raw's where, you know, usually the Raw before and after pay-per-views are usually the ones to watch. This one, man, I mean, I could have been doing a hundred different things, uh, you know, and the infamous <laughs> sign that was confiscated a couple of weeks ago. I could have been watching Nitro on the network instead of this. Yeah, exactly. Just very, very quickly, uh, guys and girls that are listening, I appreciate everyone like trying to call in. We've just got a ton to get through. Uh, we'll definitely start advertising our call-in shows when they come up. I'm really, really sorry. Uh, just got a ton to get through, and we'll try and take your calls at a later date. But thank you very much for showing the interest in the show, and we'll definitely have you on when we can at, at a later date. But uh, just to talk about what you're, you're talking about, this show, like... <laughs> I honestly didn't hate it as much as I hated last week's show because last week's show should have just knocked it out of the park in regards to following up on on Survivor Series, which it didn't. Um, I just it was yes, it was just ridiculously boring. And uh, like, listen, there were some good positives. There there were some positives. Uh, like, I liked Dean Ambrose and Bray White Bray White segment. I thought that was good. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a, it's it's like legitimately uh, intense that rivalry, and I like it. I like intense rivalries, and also one of the reasons why I think you and I are both in agreement that this is one of the better things on WWE television at the moment. What's the what's the what's the motivation behind this rivalry? What started it? Oh, I I remember it was when Bray Wyatt cost Dean Ambrose the one thing that meant most in his life, and that was defeating Seth Rollins. And guess what? Bray Wyatt took it away. So I think fans were remembering that, and that's why fans are kind of gravitating towards this this feud uh, more than others, because, hey, it has a legitimate reason for these two to fight. And uh, honestly, like, I don't know if Jack, like Jack Swagger... Sure, they're trying to create reasons, but we don't need to see Jack Swagger and Rusev again. We don't need to see... Uh, yeah, like, like we didn't see every single tag team under the sun kind of wrestling, but there there were some good points. And and Aaron, what, what was your if there was a good part of Raw that you liked? Like you kind of touched on the, the Ambrose and Bray Wyatt thing is really just the only thing besides Eric Rowan, of course, that's keeping me um, watching right now as far as the WWE main product goes. You know, I, I think they've done such a good job, like you said, of kind of making this such a personal feud and a grudge match and. And that's what Dean Ambrose does best. So I, I, I love the, the interaction between these two. I love the, the, 
the rocking chair spot they did where, where Ambrose is just destroying it yeah. and Bray is just losing his mind. I love that touch. I, I would like to see WWE commit more to this feud on a main event scale. Have this, have this kind of close shows. Have this start shows. You know, this this feud's the only feud that you know fans are actually legitimate, legitimately uh, invested in. So why not give a little more shine to this feud? I mean, it's it's incredible that you know, like you said <laughs> later on in the night, Mr. Man says how he's so in touch with his audience. You're not because you would have known that this is the type of feud that people want right now in the in the spotlight, and instead you're giving us you know Seth Rollins and John Cena. Granted, that match will probably be great, but. You know, nobody really cares, and and that's the thing. You've got to give yes, people stuff to care about, and, and that's the biggest thing. Like, w- w- without that stipulation that if John Cena loses, that's, by the way, it's going to be Seth Rollins versus John Cena, for those who don't know, in a tables match. Whoop-de-doo. It's a tab- I, hate tab- I hate table matches in this day and age. They, they suck. But anyway, uh, if John Cena loses this match, for some reason, he's just going to lose his WWE World Heavyweight Championship. Uh, a shot against uh, uh, Brock Lesnar, but uh, like one thing that was good on the show was Paul Heyman. I mean, like he comes out of nowhere and just delivers this, I think, tape promo, and it just it craps all over anything on the show. Uh, like it's just it's just ridiculous, and like, and like you know, I, I voiced my opinion on Twitter, and and Paul Heyman, Paul Heyman actually retweeted my tweet about the fact that hey, Paul Heyman shows up about, at, at, like hasn't been on television for ages, and he just somehow makes the WWE Championship relevant and reminds everyone that hey, there actually is a WWE World Heavyweight Championship, and that's another discussion for a whole another day about the, the the status of the World Championship, but um. One one thing I just want to say about Raw before we kind of wrap things up, and uh, I'm sure Aaron, you, you you're going to disagree with me on this mm. one, but uh, this just this give me just give me just hear me out, hear me out. I just think the show did did a great job in killing gimmicks left, right, and center. Now, obviously, I think the first one that we're going to talk about, you're going to agree with. You got this this new group called New Day, right? Now I'm going to paint the picture for people who didn't watch Raw. There's a tag team turmoil match where the New Day ha- starts off. It's almost like a gauntlet match. They're going to have to beat teams to win their number one contendership for the tag titles. Now I'm like, okay, they start off. It's going to be your typical booking. They're going to go through all the teams and they're going to win the number one contendership. They beat the former champions in three minutes. Star and Goldust. I'm like, oh, okay. Good start. Okay, beat former champions. Plug it. Cool. Then they verse a team of Tyson Kidd and Cesaro. Now, this team has never been put together ever. This is their first match, I think, officially as a team on WWE television. And sure, they get uh, sure New Day gets distracted, but then New Day gets pinned within like three minutes. They've lost their first debut match on Raw. Aaron, why should we care about this team? Like, it's the new improved version of Kofi Kingston, Xavier Woods, and Biggie Langston, right? Why why should we care? Why should anyone invest in this team if they're already going to be jobbed out in their first show? Like, well, it's another example. It's another example of, uh, of apparently, this is another example of talent not grabbing that brass ring, Joel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, I totally agree, man. It's it's so tough because you know they 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 kind of and and the booking for a new day has kind of been all over the place. You know, last week on Raw they said that they were going to debut next week 
but they ended up debuting on yep. SmackDown of that week, and then you know it's like it's just, not just stick to a it's plan. Just stable, exactly. Stick to a plan, and it's just that they just they don't know what they're doing with this feud or or this stable or or the tag team division. They just it's it's tough. But Aaron, to, to how can they not what they know what do. they? How can they not know what they're doing with this this program when they've been doing these hype videos every single week, developing characters for each one of them? Like I like the idea there. The, they've got the power, they've got the speed, they've got the intellect. It's got me sold. I'm like, cool. Okay, well, I understand why this team's a unit. I understand what you know. Like I understand where they're coming from. Like bullshit t- uh, wins and losses don't mean something. They mean something in this this situation by uh, absolutely. Like oh, it's just. They're just like another team now. They're just another team, and it's really funny because because on SmackDown we're going to quickly get to it uh, later on. But they do this promo, and I'm like, you know what? This is an alright promo, and I think down the line they have some something to go by. But god damn it, why? How can anyone care? And speaking of not caring, I'm just putting it out there, Eric Rowan, this gimmick, this <laughs> this gimmick that he is the okay like. Okay, I like Eric Rowan as a performer. I'm saying it right now. I like him as a performer, but, but, and there's a big but. WWE is always going to keep shooting these great performers in the in the foot with these disgustingly stupid gimmicks that are going to become comedy routines within, I swear to God, three four months. Like, are you telling me that Eric Rowan, this big tough, uh, misunderstood wrestler, winemaker? An idiot savant and his classical guitar player in pro wrestling in 2014. Are you kidding me? Who? Like, obviously, you, you you're really into the Eric Rowan character. Did this enhance the character, or did it absolutely just shoot it dead in the water, like it did for me? Well, I think they've kind of done a 180 on this character, and I think, and like you said, I'm in love with this character. This character is slowly climbing to my favorite character on WWE television right now. So I love yeah. the Eric I love the, I love his entrance music. I love that he still has the sheet mask. I love the, the, everything about Eric Rowan. I think what they were trying to do, and I, I think they wanted to give a twist to the fans as far as that's concerned, because you were expecting oh, it was some say, twist. Eric Rowan is dumb. Eric Rowan's dumb. He can't figure out. He's just, he's just a, a dummy. But when, when you throw out that he's got a 145 IQ, I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. I can believe that. Okay, cool. It's like that's the whole misunderstood thing. Don't don't go too. Don't get don't get too embezzlement and embezzling into this whole idea that he's an idiot savant and he's a classical guitar player and a winemaker. You just I'm like, are we meant to laugh? Like like I I don't know. I agree. I agree that it was a little bit gratuitous, a little a little bit too much as far as that that go that goes, but. I love the character, I, I and we'll talk a little bit more about him when we get into SmackDown. But I love that he's he's being given something, like he's being given something to do, and I just hope they don't screw it up, you know. And I'm not gonna get my hopes too high, but I love the character. I love everything about Eric Rowan. I love the nickname they added to him with Big Red. I kind of like that they're gonna give some pe- some people something to latch onto as far as that nickname goes. Um, and I just I love everything about it. I mean. Yeah. You know, this is going to be a running joke for the show, but I think he's great. As I said to you before, like him as a performer, grown so well. I think this match with the big show is going to hopefully pay dividends in regards to giving him a bit of a boost. But 
you kind of already shoot, shot him in the knee or shot him in the leg in regards to in regards to this character. I just, let's just hope they just don't go full tilt with this with this whole uh, this whole idiot savant character. But uh, what do you think about Eric Rowan's character? What do you think about the new day? What do you think about Vince McMahon's uh, grasp on what we want as an audience with this episode of Raw? Tweet me at uh, tweet me at, at Wrestling R Break and uh, tweet Aaron at Aaron underscore PWP. Tell us what you think about this Raw Raw show. Was it good? Was it bad? You can definitely tell how we thought about this show. But let's move straight on to NXT. The be- the best thing in my week by far. But uh, and this is the NXT Weekly Awards where we award three prestigious awards to the NXT uh, production team, talent pool, whatever you want to call it. So. What do we think about the show, Aaron? We've got one week now, or less than one week, until NXT TakeOver, our uh, our arrival. Oh, no, our evolution, isn't it? Yeah. Yep. What did you think of the show? Oh, man. I mean, talk about keeping me alive uh, on the WWE product. Is this? Oh, yeah. And it's just been incredible. And it's, it's completely separate from WWE. It's so good. It's the stories and the storylines and the matches and everything about NXT I'm in love with. And when you said NXT, we're moving on to NXT. I kind of jumped up in my chair and kind of repositioned myself because I'm just excited (laughs) to talk about this. I mean, I'm I'm so excited to talk NXT and it's just the best thing WWE is producing on a weekly basis. So I'm excited. I I love it. I love NXT and everything it represents. Let's get straight into this, these awards. Let's get the the worst one out of the way. The downside of the week, uh, my personally for me, I, I, and every week it's kind of hard to find a downside. But I've got to be honest now. It's been it's been a while now. I've watched this guy, and I'm just not seeing very much out of him now. And it's Hideo Itami. I love the former Kenta. I've I, I've grown up watching a lot of his matches on Noah, wrestling against Daniel Bryan, uh, and other other greats, uh, Samoa Joe. You know, like all, all these greats that have come and come through in the indie circuit. And he's had some amazing matches. I just don't know if he's adjusting to the WWE style that well, because um, his match uh, uh, with uh, Finn Balor against uh, Tyson Kidd and, Ty- uh, and Tyler Breeze, I just. Something missing, you know, like his offense is all kicks. There's, it's just, I don't know if he's really adjusting to the style. His big, sp- his, his high spots are just standard kind of moves. And I just, I don't know. Maybe they should just let him be more Kenta and be much more free flowing with his wrestling. Is it the people that he's wrestling against? Are they just so in depth into the WWE style that uh, they, they can't really see anything else? I'm not sure, but that's my downside of the week. What was yours? Ironically enough, I had two ready for the show because I assumed that you would have one of them, and thank God you did because I, I one of the downsides I had was Kenta's kind of handling as far as his his rise has gone so far, and I feel like he's not connecting with the fans yet. He's kind of like you yeah. said, they're not really letting him be himself, and I, I think they need to fix that. So my downside of the week was Finn Balor's entrance. Now mm-hmm. I understand that Finn Balor is supposed to be this kind of you know, uh, I don't even know what he's supposed to be. That's the thing. Like, I yeah, don't, I don't no, know what, yeah. yeah, it's like, it, it's very slow and he has certain cues to the music, which I love cues for music. I, I think, you know, you know, my guy Triple H has him when he, you know, spits the water at a certain point of the music and stuff like that. I like that. I like that idea, but it's just weird. Like he's just like slithering around the arena. Like he's <laughs> jumping on the turnbuckle, like, like 
it's just it's weird. I, I think they need to kind of tone that down because it kind of comes or explain it. Creepy. Yeah, it's just, or yeah, explain it a little bit. I mean, it's just like kind of slithering around and rolling around, and like it's just mm-hmm. I don't know. I just mm-hmm. don't like his entrance. I like the music. I think the music's kind of cool. Um, but the, the stuff with it, I just don't like. They need to kind of cut that out. Let him just walk to the ring or do something a little different, shorten it up a little bit. Because once he moves up to the main roster, when he eventually does, hopefully um, they, th- there's no way that they're going to have time for that. I mean, <laughs> that entrance is longer than The Undertaker's. It is very, very long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I see, it's really funny you pointed that out because I was thinking the same thing. I'm like, what? what's he doing? <laughs> like, like yeah, it's cool. I like the whole idea the He's living on the ring. I like the whole idea of it being black and then and the name being up there. It's very old school, like your name and lights, and it's like it draws attention to it straight away. And then the, the red light comes up and you see him. He's got a great physique. I'm like, yeah, cool. This guy's gonna this guy's gonna got a future. But then his entrance keeps going and going and going and going. And then he has the pose. I don't mind the pose. He looks fantastic when he's kind of like kneeling down. But again, you know, like he's only been in the company for a while. Obviously, you know, not not, not, not for a while. He's only been there for like a cup of coffee, so you know he's got time to grow, and he's in NXT. He's, so uh, uh, it's not a major concern of mine, but yeah, it's definitely kind of something to uh, take note of. But uh, NXT's up and comer of the week, the next award we give, uh, it's for me. Like I was blown away by Tyler Breeze in this match. A lot of mm-hmm. a lot a lot of awards kind of giving given to this match this week. Um, I really thought he was just on point in this match, and I think I think he's going to be set to verse or have a confrontation with uh, Marcus Louis uh, come uh, uh, our evolution. I think he's much better than that. I think he, I've always been a Tyler Breeze fan ever since I started watching NXT, and he started developing the whole Prince Pretty character. But in ring. Tonight, he showed why he was trained by Lance Storm in, in, in Canada. Like, he was selling like crazy. He was making Finn Balor's, ki- uh, uh, you know, the, the, the double foot stomp at the end of the match. For those who don't know, he was literally uh, cowered over. It's almost like what John Cena does with the rocket dropper, except this time Finn Balor just connected both of his feet on the back of, of Tyler Breeze's neck, and Tyler Breeze saw it like an absolute boss. Meanwhile, he's heel. He's got these great heel nuances. I don't know if you agree with me, uh, Aaron, but he's just he's just he's just being a heel, and that's what's missing from the the, the roster this day and age. And on the main event, that there's there's very little heel nuances paid uh, attention to anymore. I think that you know, just carrying away, tell you know, ins- insulting people on the ropes, you know, like those kind of things, just being loud, obnoxious, wanting uh, fans. You want to make your fans hate you, and I think. Uh, Tyler Breeze was just on point this week. Who Who is your pick for the up-and-comer of the week? Up-and-comer of the week for me are the Vaughn Villains. I mean, I, I love the stuff they're doing. I love the, the vignettes, those little you know, little movie shorts. I love the entrance. I think they are slowly becoming my favorite tag team in NXT. They're kind of rivaling Enzo and Big Cass because those are my guys, but the Vaughn Villains, I love everything about them. I love that they're kind of and they kind of gave their new music a couple weeks back or a month ago or something like that, where it's more heel. And they're trying to make this group a little more of a heelish group, but people still love the group. You can see in the, in the crowd, they're starting to do Simon Gotch's pose, which I really love. Oh, I, yeah. I love this group. Now, the only concern I have with the group is if they're going to translate to WWE television when they eventually move up. Um, I don't know if the children will get it. I don't know if a lot of the fans that don't watch NXT will get it. So hopefully that that works out. But I love everything about the Vaughn villains. I think 
and, and the one thing I really enjoyed with the match uh, they had with um, Blake and, and Murphy is that they worked on the legs and they, it was a lot of old school oh, yeah. stuff because English and Gotch aren't big guys. They aren't athletic guys. They're, they're not, you know, they don't really have a certain mold to them. Mm-hmm. So I really mm-hmm. like that they kind of took an old school route of just working on a leg and just keep, keep going after that body part and then winning the match. I really like that because they're old they're, school they're, tag team wrestling. Exactly. Everything about them screams old school. I love everything about them. So, I mean, I, yep. I think they're up and coming. Hopefully they win the tag titles eventually. Yeah, I don't, th- I don't think it's going to be their night, but uh, we'll get into our bold predictions later on about uh, our rival. Uh, NXT's MVP of the week. Now, I'm pretty sure that we have different MVPs this, this week. God damn, the, who, the producer who's in charge of Ken o- Owens' hype videos, he needs to like go straight to WWE main the main roster and start doing hype videos for the mid cards for like Kofi Kingston and for like Damian Mizdow and all these things like when they become serious because god damn it I like any fan that's out there that that is is imagining ways of of introducing Kevin Steen into WWE like I'm I have to I have to think that there's so many fans out there that is are just smiling from ear to ear every single time they see a Kevin Owens hype video this week was just like Yes, this is how you promote a new guy that's got an indie career that's that's well renowned. You know, you associate him with all the stars that are currently on the television. You know, oh, he was he was wrestling. You know, I, I teamed with uh, who did he team with? He, didn't he, he team with Sami Zayn? He, I, I I wrestled against Daniel Bryan. Uh, you know, I, I I I was right there when Seth Rollins uh, got 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 put up to the main roster. All this kind of stuff, and associating with these, these big stars that we know, and the video was so well, and just like you know, these stars that he was associated with. Now, look at what they are now. Like you know, Daniel Bryan was a world champion. Seth Rollins is now was associated with the Authority, Money in the Bank. It's like, god damn it, yes, this is how you promote these new stars. It's not hard, and like, they're just awesome, and like. I know that Kevin Steen can talk. I, I'm, I'm just so excited for this guy's debut. And the, you know what the thing is, Aaron, about this debut that differs from like WWE main roster debuts? I have absolute faith that NXT do a tremendous job promoting and, and pushing this guy after his debut. Like, look at Hideo Itami. How did he debut? He, he pretty much single-handedly sent the, the longest-running tag team champions in NXT history packing. You know, like, what are they going to do with Kevin Owens? Yeah. Well, I, I think, and I'm not going to spoil it, because I have some predictions for Kevin Owens' debut uh, when we get to that, but um, I, I agree with you. I love everything they're doing. I like that they're associating him with big-time talent in WWE right now with Daniel Bryan and Seth Rollins. I love that they're kind of mixing in that 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 reality to it, and and I love that he's becoming an underdog almost, kind of showing that he he wants his shot. He hasn't been given his shot. He's going to take his shot now. So I, I love everything about the Kevin Owens promos. Um, my MVP yeah. of the week is kind of a, a co award. I'm giving it to two people: Adrian Neville and Sami Zayn for not even wrestling in this show. They stole it at the end yeah. of this show. With, with oh, yeah. that promo between the two, I mean, just intensity from Sami Zayn, just a, a just an incredible story being told. Sami Zayn a little going a little crazy, you know, something we haven't really seen from him, kind of losing, kind of adding a little bit of an edge to him. 
I love that. And, and the, the the lasting image, and I told you earlier, is the lasting image for me was after the slap, Sami Zayn walked away up to the ramp, and Adrian Neville, they kind of did a cool camera angle where he was just kind of uh, rubbing his jaw and then did a quick look toward the ramp. And I just I just love everything they're doing with this. It got me so excited for um, for next week. And I think they're just – this feud has the potential for me to be feud of the year being WWE or NXT in general. Just this feud has been incredible. Yeah, I think both guys have come to the plate and kind of showing what they're all about. And for those who don't know, yeah, there was a huge promo face last face to face before the pay before the, the NXT pay per view next Thursday. And Sami Zayn was uh, about to shake uh, Adrian Neville's hand. Obviously, Adrian Neville was kind of that uh, gray area kind of babyface heel kind of thing going on, and he was saying it was going to be an honor to wrestle him. And Sami Zayn was retaliated with a ridiculous slap that was just eaten up by the NXT Full Sail University crowd. God, the NXT Full Sail University crowd screams, I want to be there every, t- every single time I see them. And hell yes, it's going to be a great, great show. There's so many well-produced matches. We didn't even talk about Charlotte and and uh, and, uh, and uh, Sasha Banks. But uh, obviously, maybe we'll just quickly get into our bold predictions. What, what are you predicting for this great show? I'm telling you right now, I'm thinking it's going to steal the show compared to TLC. Okay, now... When we when we talk about bold predictions, this is really bold as far as the finish for the Sami Zayn and uh, Adrian Neville match. Now they alluded during Kevin Owens' promo, they alluded to the fact that Sami Zayn was signed before him, and he admitted that it got him a little upset. Now, my idea for Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens is to have Kevin Owens debut, have him do a simple squash match halfway through the, the, the uh, pay-per-view. We get into uh, Sami Zayn versus Adrian Neville. We get toward the end, and maybe the lights go out. And, of course, Kevin Owens is in the ring, and he's taking out Sami Zayn, allowing Adrian Neville to get the victory. I think that would be something to give Adrian Neville closure with this feud, have Sami Zayn do something else besides going after this title, because... In my opinion, if you have Sami Zayn win this title, you're pretty much saying Adrian Neville is ready for the main roster because that's usually the, 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 formula they, yep. the formula they follow. Mm-hmm. After the champion loses, they move him up to the main roster. So I think that, that, that Adrian Neville's not ready for that. And I've, I've kind of written a, whole piece, written a whole piece on that where I don't think he's ready for the main roster yet. He just needs a little more polishing. By, by, by 2015, early 2015, he'll be ready. But right now he's not. I think that would be a perfect way to introduce Kevin Owens into the main event picture. Um, and I think that would be a perfect way to get a feud between Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens and, and kind of give a big time impact for, for his debut. Yeah. I, I, I think the food, this feud needs to end with Sami Zayn having the championship. I just, I, and yes, maybe, the, maybe like Adrian Neville's not ready for the main roster. Is he ever going to be ready with his size? I know size isn't a factor. I personally don't think that's the case. I've seen, I've seen Pac wrestle. Who's the former, uh, who's the current uh, Adrian Neville. I've seen him wrestle live. He's incredible. He's great. But I don't know, you know, I just, this feud needs to end with Sami Zayn having the championship. Like you know, when you say, when you have a, it's the old age, the whole thing, like when you have a baby face say that if I don't win the championship, I'm done. 
it just, uh, I just, for him not to win the championship again, there's got to be a time where you pull the trigger, and and that time is going to have to be at at NXT R Evolution. Sure, Kevin Kevin Owens, how he, what kind of part is he going to play? I don't think it's going to be a squash match, but hey, having him involved in the in the world championship picture straight away, definitely uh, worth considering. But uh, we'll move on right now. So yeah, that, that's, uh, what do you guys think about NXT uh, R Evolution coming up this Thursday? What are your bold predictions for the uh, for the pay per view? Any of the matches? Uh, uh, tweet us, you know, at, at Aaron at uh, so at Aaron underscore PWP or tweet me at uh, at Wrestling Arbreak and we'll uh, reply to your tweets as they come in. Um, we're going to breeze, breeze through SmackDown this week. This SmackDown was boring. This SmackDown had a lot of good hard workers uh, like Ziggler and Harper. They put on a great match. They're really working hard, but all the way through it, I'm thinking, this is this is just you know like hopefully this leads to something for both guys. Um, it kind of I, I, again the. the why take the championship off Ziggler when, like, you know, Harper's going to be beaten every single week? You know, like, I think he's been beaten nearly every single week since winning the Intercontinental Championship. It's like Intercontinental Championship is like a branding iron saying, I, you can beat me as many as many times as you like, but I've got a, I've got a piece of worthless gold over my, over my shoulder. Um, yeah, good to SmackDown. I'm a match. You know what's going to happen in the future. I'm not sure. It's going to be a ladder match between these two, but yeah, whatever. <laughs> really, like it, it'll be a good match again. But you know, what, 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 what's your opinion on Luke Harper and, and Dolph Ziggler? Very quickly, Aaron. Um, I feel like the, the match was going so well until the countout, and I kind of, I obviously understand why they did it. To, to oh, it was a DQ for... this week. It was a, it was a DQ yeah, this week. Just DQ, kind of whatever. Yeah, I mean, it's just it, it's it's so. You know, I understand it though. I, I get it that they're they're going to build toward the the match at TLC, and, yeah. and honestly, TLC is kind of shaping up to be pretty good. I mean, there's a bunch of different in know, ring wise. That, yes. Yeah, I, I think the, there's really no big storylines. Like the storylines aren't there, but I think the yeah. matches they're they're selling right now to me, I'm kind of interested in as far as to see the match itself. Um, but the story's mm-hmm. kind of weird. Um, I don't know. Should Dolph Ziggler win this time? I mean, it only makes sense. Yeah, to I know. Have him take the title. Absolutely, but like their mentality is like the Intercontinental Championship is so beyond someone who's actually going for like a quote unquote high high card mid to high card spot. It's almost like yeah. like which is so ass backwards considering there's no world champion on the paper, uh, on the show. But maybe we're so old school that 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 kind of mentality doesn't exist anymore. Um, listen, it's really funny because like we're going to talk about this this and we're going to move on straight away because that really the show was. Geoed by Santina Morella. What more do I have to say? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm not, you know, for the bad of SmackDown and the, why it was not that good. But I will say this these dumb finishes, the, 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 the inconclusive finishes, like a can out last week on SmackDown for the title, and the DQ this week for the Intercontinental Championship, it actually does play into a storyline because Luke Harper's being a heel, right? You know, this week he blatantly got himself disqualified because Dolph Ziggler was about to win. I actually have no problem with these dumb finishes. The fact is that we've seen so many uh, inconclusive finishes on main event uh, on the main events of all these shows that that they that, that something like this where it plays into the storyline just pisses people off. I'm going to throw out a fact for you, Aaron. In the last 13 previous episodes of SmackDown, and I looked this up, you get you you don't even get a finish a clean finish a third of the time out of 13 mm-hmm. matches. You barely even get a clean 
There's like 60 cues and, uh, and and two no contests or something from last from the last 13 episodes of SmackDown. Like it's just, wow. you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> and then we have Ziggler and Harper actually have it played into their storyline, and it's like it's it's just another annoying finish to, to fans like us, you know. But anyway, I digress because we're going to move on to something else, like our like our vault, weekly visit to the vault. And I'm going to talk to you about a match where actually wins and losses do mean something and they're just done in such an expert way. And we're going to talk about Carl Anderson, the machine gun Carl Anderson versus Hiroshi Tanahashi for the IWGP World Heavyweight Championship from 2013 on New Japan Pro Wrestling, on a New Japan Pro Wrestling pay-per-view that uh, the name uh, eludes me. But uh, this match, now Aaron, obviously just... Uh, what did you think of this match straight up before I get into the uh, particulars? The first impression I got from this was I, I like the style, the differences in style, because like I said earlier, I'm not, I don't watch a lot of New Japan for wrestling or Japanese wrestling in general. So uh, the different style I really noticed from the get-go as far as uh, the different types, the, the way they build up to the end of their matches. Uh, WWE, it's very slow, methodical. It's, the slow build toward the end of the hot tag or the hot finish. Um, it's very formulaic. Yeah, it's very, it has a formula. Everything has a formula. With this, it was high spot uh, pin, uh, a, pin uh, a pin attempt, a high spot pin attempt. Like it was, it was very exciting. Um, the first, you know, five, 10 minutes got a little boring for me, but as soon as Carl Anderson and, and uh, Tanahashi went out to the outside, that's when it started to pick up, and then they got up my back in the ring, and they were hitting these high spots. And uh, you know, I thought it was very entertaining. Uh, I loved the the mixture of, of styles between the two, and and I loved that. You know, I didn't really know who's the babyface and who's the heel, which was kind of cool. That they were kind of getting equal cheers and boos. Um, and I don't know. I just thought like this was a nice change of pace for me from the WWE product this week, especially from Raw and SmackDown. So um, I thank you for, for finding this this match. You're very welcome. Then I've got a ton more. We might we might do a, a little bit of a New Japan Pro Wrestling series uh, leading into the end of the year. By the way, this match can be found on YouTube. Just type in Carl Anderson versus Hiroshi Tanahashi. Uh, Tanahashi is spelled exactly how it sounds. Tanahashi. Uh, type it into YouTube and find it. The backstory to this match, and I was filling in all the gaps. For years, Carl Anderson has been a tag, had been a tag team wrestler. He'd been associated with the former Albert from WWE. They were tag team champions for a long, long time. And uh, this was uh, Carl Anderson's first real shot at the World Heavyweight Championship. He had beaten the world champion in one-on-one competition at a previous event. And now it was the chance. Now, because he beat the champion, he gets a championship match, just like it should be. And this is how you push... This match is a perfect, pristine example of how you push a former tag team wrestler into the singles uh, singles realm. Spoiler alert, Carl Anderson doesn't win. Sorry. But it doesn't matter because this match just does everything that a, uh, that, uh, a main event style like Ta- uh, Hiroshi Tanahashi, who's been rated uh, the best wrestler... Uh, Best wrestler of the year for like four years running from uh, wrestling observer from the wrestling observer awards every year he gets it nearly every single year and there's a reason because this guy's timing his presence is incredible he is the John Cena 
he's he's an institution he's an institution in uh in New Japan Pro Wrestling. The difference between John Cena and Horatio Tanahashi is that Tanahashi just gives Carl Anderson so much offense and makes him look incredible the whole way through. And this is a former tag team wrestler that's getting his shot at the World Championship. Can you imagine like John Cena versus Jimmy Uso and Jimmy Uso breaking away from the Usos and he and he getting a shot at the World Championship in WWE? It's unheard of, right? Like you just wouldn't even expect it, would you? No. Here, like, not only do they do they put him in a match where they where you put him over strong, they put him in a world championship match. It's just incredible. But while you got bored at the start, I I, I was enthralled because I love the Japanese style because every single thing in this match means something. It's leading to something. Uh, I think Tanahashi. Uh, works on uh works on uh uh Kyle Anderson's leg the whole match and at the uh, in the final few minutes where we're getting to the near falls like just, like they've done such a great job on building up Kyle Anderson's bum knee that when Tanahashi hits it or attacks it in the final few minutes minutes of the minutes of the match it's, it's it takes so much out of Kyle Anderson that oh my god the 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 the, the seesaw effect in this match has gone straight into Tanahashi's favor you know it's like Oh, it's, it's it's getting me excited just thinking about it because the crowd's just so behind both guys. Huge, as as Aaron said, you know, huge big moves. Uh, the, I don't think there was a botch spot in, in this whole match. And again, like this match wasn't even rated that highly uh, in the annals of uh, New Japan Pro Wrestling from 2013. It was considered a very good match, and I can only imagine. I'm gonna, I'm gonna look high and low for some of these these better matches than this because apparently they're out there. But oh. Like in a week where I'm just bummed out by WWE and bummed out by everything that was revealed in the Vince McMahon uh, podcast, this is just a fresh breath of fresh air. Would you like me to find some more of these matches, Aaron? Go for it, man. I, I like I said, I enjoyed it. I, I felt like it was a nice change of pace for me as far as you know the stuff that I watched this week as far as Raw and SmackDown. So I'm all for that. Yeah, awesome. Well, expect that for next week. Going to find you a nice. Nice New Japan Pro Wrestling match. Considering it's going to be very easy to find it now uh, on uh, YouTube, considering the, the New Japan world is out there. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. And uh, if there's a New Japan Pro Wrestling match that fans want me to review and want me to kind of like promote on this show next week, tweet me at Wrestling Break on Twitter, and I will look into it and uh, and maybe get it up on the show. So, yeah, Aaron. What's our weekly spotlight question for this week? Because I don't think we did one last week because uh, we're all a bit short on time. But uh, what uh, what do you want to ask the fans this week? Well, considering the, the buzz of this week was the Vince McMahon uh, podcast. So, you know, obviously, the you know, this was the biggest thing of the week. So I went with um, which question would you have asked if you were um, interviewing Vince McMahon that Steve Austin didn't ask? And for <laughs> me... Um, I would have gone down the line, and of course, um, you know, I have to tie everything back to Triple H. Um, that I would have asked him, <laughs> how does he feel about Stephanie and Vince, uh, Stephanie and Triple H eventually taking over the business when he eventually steps down, or if he passes away in, in ten, fifteen, whatever years, how many years it takes, um, and, and how confident is he that they could take it over and and run it? And and I would like his honest opinion. I wouldn't like you know the old you know. Uh, 
corporate opinion that they're great, you know, they're great here and there. You know, I would like to see him being completely honest. And, and I think that, you know, Stephanie and Triple H have a grasp on, on uh, the the touch or being in touch with the, the audience. So I would like to see his uh, opinion on that. How about you? Um, I was more kind of ask uh, like it seemed like Austin was asking a lot of questions that the hardcore fan and all of us wants to know, like you know, asking us about the eggshell, you know, the fans walking around like walking around on eggshells. That's been a statement that's been known for ages. I was kind of maybe he was going to throw out the stock question about the Intercontinental Championships and the US Championships. What's the status? Why aren't they as prominent as they used to be? Uh, what is what's his perspective on these championships? Like, you know, let's get let's get an on the record kind of opinion of what he thought about what he thinks about the U.S. title, um, and and what's its role in WWE in 2014? Because you know, as we just talked about with Luke Harper being the Intercontinental Champion, he's all, he's almost a punching bag uh, that uh, just gets beaten all the time. How is that? How is that relevant? You know, how, how does how does that how does that help Luke Harper? You know, and uh, I, w- I would have liked some of those questions, but we want to hear what you guys think as well. Like that's been the running theme all all this show. You know, what question would you ha- have asked Vince McMahon that wasn't asked on Steve Austin's podcast? Send your replies into uh, into our Twitter accounts at Aaron underscore PWP or at Wrestling R Break, which is for me. So we will definitely get into those and maybe maybe talk about them uh, later on. Uh, maybe next week, or we can talk, talk to you online. So yeah, that's all we have time for tonight, everybody. So thank you so much for listening, wherever you may be out there, and uh, thank you, Aaron, for your always your always insightful perspective of the last seven days. Thanks for having me, and uh, I'll see you next week. Yep. Uh, once again, thank you so much for listening, everybody, and we're going to catch you on the next Wrestling's Week that was. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.